Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression that work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We're working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guests are Catherine Lee, environmental justice intern with MCU, and Rajiv Ravalupati, the organizing representative of Beyond Coal with the Sierra Club. We'll be talking today about environmental justice in general, and specifically about the need to make changes to the Missouri air permitting process. So thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thank you for having us. Okay, great. So this past month on July 23rd of this year, we held our second annual air quality rally, um, and we had to hold it virtually over Zoom instead of in person this year. So what were your impressions and takeaways from the event this year? Um, My takeaway was, well, one, you know, we had, I know MCU had to pivot because um, that day that was supposed to be scheduled, you know, St. Louis has had a really hot, intensive summer. It was going to be 105 degrees that day. So a big reason why MCU's pivoted to a virtual event. The the thing that struck me was still how many attendees we had for a virtual event on a Saturday at 9 a.m. You know, there were, I think there was over 130 participants um, that attended, which just shows, which should show you um, how important it is for advocating for um, cleaner air in our region. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I was surprised by how many people were on the Zoom. And although, like, the rally was moved online, I think the hosts and all the speakers did a great job on uniting, like, everyone through the screen. And I appreciated the two speakers who shared their stories about the effects of poor air quality in their lives. It was very touching. There was a certain amount of uh, poetic irony, I guess, that we had to change our plans for the event because the the air was was going to be too hot because of climate change, which also means it was holding in more pollutants. Uh, so it was almost proving the point to, to have it virtually instead of in person. So during the rally, uh, we asked leaders to sign a petition for support for uh, the air permit reform within Missouri. So let's get into this issue a little bit. What is it and why is it important? So the air permit reform is, or like the petition of support for the air permit reform is calling for um, the government, for the state government to allow community members to have more of a say in the air conservation permit process. So we want um, community members, like particularly the communities that will be most affected by that permit to have a say in what goes on in the permit. And today actually at the Eco Fair that I attended today, um, MCU, attended the Ferguson Eco Fair, and then we uh, asked people to sign in the petition, which we will present on the 25th. Okay, Rajiv, and how is uh, the Sierra Club participating in this? Well, Sierra Club is definitely a supporter of the petition of support that MCU has been working on. Uh, and from the Sierra Club side, you know, we regularly interact. We activate our members and our supporters and any of our coalition partners who are always will, will, willing to work with us. We regularly uh, engage with um, the Missouri Department of Natural Resources, not just 
typically on the issue of air quality, but pretty much any type of environmental regulation that they're tasked for regulating. Um, earlier, you know, this year has been a lot of regulatory and public hearings regarding Missouri uh, submitting a plan on addressing regional haze, things like soot that is burned from coal and gas. Um, we've also been active on providing comments on the state's implementation plan for complying with the EPA's 2015 ozone standard. We have been engaging in uh, general permit processes related to air quality, to the Air Conservation Commission and the Water Conservation um, Commission uh, that DNR oversees. Um, so there are there are a lot of right now state plans that Missouri is responsible for submitting and enacting on behalf of Missourians, and they just continue to put forth state plans that do very little to actually address the the main sources of a lot of these pollutants that contribute to regional haze, contribute to ozone, which ultimately all just contribute to the worsening effects of air quality um, that it does to our to our community. Because St. Louis, the St. Louis area particularly, where I do a lot of my organizing, continues to have a lot of moderate or red uh, red alert um, air uh, air quality days. So. It's still very much an issue that has to be, we have to hammer it, we have to keep talking to our regulators, but we need more public support, particularly from our elected officials on this issue. Okay, good. What what exactly are the things that we're asking the uh, Department of Natural Resources to change in their air permit process? What What's not working right now and what are the problems that we're seeing from that? I'll say on the Sierra Club side, DNR the past couple of years, particularly underneath the direction of the Parsons administration um, just continues to put utility interests over people in general. So one fundamental problem is that the the core mission of DNR is to protect the land and the environmental quality of Missourians, and they're just not fulfilling that core mission. And so we've been supportive of MCU because some of the things that they're asking for in the petition of support are you know, MDNR, Mo DNR to extend the public comment period to 90 days to allow more adequate time for sunshine requests and responses. Um, and for groups like us and for the public in general to be literate of the issue. And so they can actually attend these meetings and provide comments. Uh, I know they're also advocating for environmental justice review before each public hearing that is stated in, you know, easy public vernacular, um, highlighting potential health disparities what permits have already been issued for the area and what's the cumulative impact of those permits. And also in, in a broader sense, you know, complying with uh, title regulations that the EPA has and the standards that they have in general. Um, yeah, to add on to that, um, the reform, the petition for reform is a lot about access and environmental justice. So um, we want the discussions for the permits to be not only in person, but to have a hybrid format for um, so there, there can be more access um, for those who cannot attend in person. So yeah, it's just all about environmental justice and um, like increasing access for the impacted area. Now, if I remember correctly from the the uh, um, rally that uh, we had, uh, there was also a problem with multiple permits in a given area. Is that correct? I know in the petition of support that that has been one issue that MCU has raised that, you know, what permits have already been issued there and like what those multiple permits would would mean. So I think 
I, I don't know more about that specific bullet point, but I think there does need to be a better process for just public consumption of the information of uh, understanding what what these multiple permits cross over for that particular area. And like when these things are being discussed in the public hearing, um, I don't think the general public understands or at least doesn't know about what mul- what multiple permits are designated for us for an area. And of course not, because, you know, we all have, da- you know, we all have our own lives interacting with our, with our public bodies have, has become a little in, has become a little tougher, especially in a post pandemic era where people are so pent up about a lot of different things. And it seems like it's crisis all the time. And, you know, Mo DNR is a group that the public doesn't interact with regularly enough, but they hold so much um, influence and potential detriment to our lives for a lot of the things that they don't enact or they take an action on. So that's why it's really important that Mo DNR, I mean, they're co- again, their core mission is to protect the, lo- the public health of Missourians and our land. And they just continue to, uh, underneath the Parsons administration, just serve special interests and big polluters like Evergy or Amherst. So what what are we doing with the petition? I understand that there's a meeting coming up this week. What's going to happen there? And and what is uh, what is MCU and the Sierra Club looking to accomplish at this meeting and and uh, and invite others to join us? Um, so yeah, this Thursday, I believe, on the 25th, um, we will MCU will present um, the petition to the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. Um, and uh, MCU have, I think at least as of now, 29 people who's ready to present and go, but they want, are expecting like 50 people to go. So they want a bigger room, um, on the 25th, but, um, unfortunately they only allow 30 people in that room, but yeah, that's like the reason we have like this petition of support is we want more access because that like 30 people is not enough to represent all of St. Louis. So that's like one of the points of the petition to have like more access and allow the community to speak more about their community. And what I'll add to that too, Kevin, is so like, you know, groups like us, the Sierra Club are working with MC, working with their EJ team, their environmental justice team, I'm sorry, um, to help get as many people as possible, obviously, to sign their petition to support. Because I know <clears throat> Excuse me. I know one of the purposes also to what Catherine said is to actually hand deliver these petitions to these commissioners at this public hearing on the on the 25th um, next week. And one also important thing to note about the Missouri Air Conservation Commission in general is, you know, this is a this is a commission that is appointed. You're appointed by the governor and there's seven people that serve on this commission, but there are two vacancies right now. And this region of the state, this the eastern side, specifically the St. Louis region, has no representation on the Air Conservation Commission currently. Um, most of the most of the people serving on on this commission, there's a KC representative, there's somebody um, from Hannibal, there's somebody from Springfield, there's somebody from Graham, Missouri, and I believe there's one other person from Springfield, Missouri. But there's no representation from this side of the state, which has some of the worst public health disparities related to poor air quality. So how does all of this connect with the community-based air quality monitoring work that MCU leaders are currently doing in their congregations? 
So the petition of support um, is centered around environmental justice, as we said before, and placing the community and like those who are most impacted um, first. And so MCU has been working with a lot with in the community and um, they've been placing 15 or they placed 15 um, air quality sensors all around St. Louis at 15 different congregations. And that is collecting live of like the air quality. Um, and by placing them at these congregations, they can involve the community in like the health and uh, the air quality that they're like actually breathing in. And um, this aims to achieve health equity, transparency, um, which is like a form of environmental justice by engaging the community. Okay, good. And, and so this action coming up on Thursday is coming up real quick. Not everybody's going to be able to attend this, um, but MCU has some plans to get people trained for uh, attending other commissions like this. What, what's happening with that? And, and when is the training taking place? Um, the training is taking place on September 8th. So if they cannot attend this um, action that is coming on the 25th of August, they can attend a training on September 8th. And that is on. So it's like a great opportunity to come um, to prepare to talk with other commissions and they are trained on engaging with boards and commissions in a powerful way. Um, so as I said, it's on Zoom and it's a space that prepares you on having important leadership skills that so when more commissions opportunities come up in the coming months, um, you can be ready and prepared. And um, the training will also include learning what to present to boards and commissions and how to let your voice be heard in between election cycles and talking to commissions such as school boards. Okay, so this is more than just talking to the state, but this is almost any local local commission. Yeah, you can use this like training to do anything like whatever you want. Okay, good. Good. And as we, we always say, those those local uh, government agencies probably impact people's lives more than than anything at the federal level and the state level. Um, your your school boards, your city your city planning and zoning are are organizations that are really going to impact your daily lives. So how is this all relating? To, I understand we also have a new tool that MCU is using to create democracy builders. Uh, so how is that working out? Um, yeah, so democracy builders is a term for someone building out their own network and reaching out to the people around them to encourage them to vote. Um, so we're using this program called Relational Voter Program, RVP. So it's used to increase voter turnout and participation. So it's different in the way from phone banking or canvassing because you're actually talking to the people you already know and the people on your contact list, like your friends, neighbors, family. Um, so instead of going to door to door, you're going through your contacts list. Um, so MCU is using RVP to learn more about the propositions or policies that align with voters' values. And if that person isn't voted, registered to vote yet, this is a great chance to talk to them and encourage them to get registered to vote. Um, so through like the Empower app or website, MCU has a short mini script that you can use and those who want to be a democ democracy builder like you can start having these conversations with their own network, friends, families, neighbors, et cetera. And so as of now, MCU is um, using RVP to share the vic recent victories of Prop S and F and discuss the importance of the upcoming election in November. And so with each call or text we make with RVP, if that person becomes interested, 
they build a network and then if the people that they talk to are interested, they can build their own network. And we have like this expanded chain of people who are all connected and um, empowered to impact policy change. Okay, great. And those propositions F and S were in the city of St. Louis. And one of them dealt with uh, increasing the fines for illegal dumping uh, within the city of St. Louis. And the other was a bond issue for the St. Louis city schools, which uh, improving the you know learning environment, uh, both physical and, and mentally, uh, creates a better environment for, for children in the city of St. Louis. So what's another way that folks can share their personal stories? You guys are looking for personal stories on the impacts of uh, poor air quality, and how, how can that take place, Rajiv? Yeah, that's. I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, like I said, Sierra Club and our membership and our volunteers and our supporters. You know, anytime there's a public hearing or there's an opportunity to for a member of the public to provide comments, oftentimes, you know, people feel a little intimidated, whether because of the formal setting or the fact that they feel sometimes that they need to be a subject matter expert. But that is not the case at all. Like we're all Missourians. We all want the same things. You know, we want we want trust in our government. We want equity. We want EJ um, EJ principles upheld. We want clean air. We want clean water. And so it's really about just sharing your personal experiences on how your your desire and advocacy, advocacy for those things are being hampered by by our own state body. And so if you can make the connection, make the more personal storytelling um, and give your experience about how we as people have been negatively impacted by um, a lot of these big polluting interests in our state like Ameren or Evergy or um, the big industrial groups that run uh, CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations in Missouri. Um, it's really important that people share those personal um, experiences. You know, there was there were two speakers from the air rally, air quality rally, one on the Missouri side and one on the Illinois side. On the Illinois side was, you know, a grandmother talking about her genuine concern about worrying about her grandkids breathing toxic air. Um, on the Missouri side, it, it was a little bit similar to that. Um, so like those kind of things, those emotional pleas, talking about how it affects your day-to-day -day lives, that's the kind of thing that we need to tell regulators, tell elected officials. You know, Sierra Club works with a number of subject matter experts and, and legal teams, and they can provide those technical details, but it's everyday people that have to make these heartfelt and you know, advocated pushes from their own personal experiences. And I guess this ties back into the relational voter program also in that our own personal stories also are great motivators for us as citizens to take action too. Uh, so you can hear a lot of stats and they can swirl in your head. But if you know somebody who's been personally affected, that's a motivator when it comes to taking uh, that very simple action of voting, isn't it? Absolutely. And it also is an opportunity for for leadership development, you know, because, you know, there are people who've worked with MCU and, and Sierra Club who who participate in advocacy. And when, you know, when there are a lot of people that have come up through groups like us who can t take those personal storytelling uh, opportunities and then turn them into opportunities to advocate for themselves to be in these kind of positions uh, of of, of, of regulation that we need. Um, like, like I said, there's a, there's a vacancy right now. There's two vacancies in the Missouri Air Conservation Commission. So 
if there are people who continue to advocate, but, you know, are maybe they want more of a say and more real impact, we do all this organizing to also potentially identify people who might want to serve in these kind of positions. Uh, so it's really important, too, that in addition to advocacy, if we want to also develop people and identify people to serve in these positions who can also carry out the values of environmental justice, then we want to try and do that um, statewide in all, all the kind of state agencies or, or groups that we work with. Okay, great. So on that uh, note of, of personal stories, uh, just as we kind of close out here, uh, what, what are your own personal stories? Why, why are these issues important to you, to you two individually? So as like a public health student, I learned a lot about health disparities, um, health inequity in class. And as an intern this summer for MCU, I got a lot to got to hear other people's stories. Um, I attended this um, small rally in June, and then it was focusing on illegal dumping. And at that rally, I got to see like all the legal dumping um, on the ground, like tires, broken glass. And we were walking with, we were rallying with tiny kids too. So they were like stepping around that. So the people that live there, they have this, um, every single day, I'm privileged enough not to have any illegal dumping in my neighborhood. So seeing that and hearing other people's stories who live in that neighborhood um, was really eye-opening. And I guess for me, what makes it personal is just, I'm, I'm born and raised in Chicago and I moved to St. Louis uh, eight years ago. And I've noticed myself, like, um, since I've moved here, like, I'm the, I'm the type of person that doesn't really get sick very often. And since I've moved here, like, I've, I've noticed, me, noticed, like, my respiratory system um, being more uh, prone to getting sick. Um, I don't, you know, I can't, like, draw that line completely to, is it, is it because of the poor air quality here? I'm sure there's it contributes to that a little bit, but I've noticed since moving to this region, you know, I do get a little more sick more often. And then I didn't also realize how severe um, respiratory illnesses and asthma in particular, asthma is really rampant in the St. Louis area, particularly amongst uh, the black community here in St. Louis. And when you look at historical redlining, when you look at, if you go back, you can see that it's been targeted for those for those impact, impacted communities, so it's kind of really it's still you know I've been doing this work for a long time, but it's still very eye opening on like how long this has been a problem for this region, and it's not just air quality. I mean, we have coal plants to the south of us. We get you know we, that toxic plume covers our area. Um, out out west, there's Coldwater Creek issues. There's the Bridgeton landfill issue. There are a lot of significant environmental um, concerns in our region that affect our health. So like, it's so, you know, we live in a, in a post, if some people may call it post pandemic, we're still in a pandemic, but with public health, always a key message. I think it's just really important to try and just ease people's minds. Like they should be able to live and work and play in a place where they don't have to be burdened in their minds about just the thought of like, am I, am I giving my kid, clean water? Am I breathing clean air? It's, it's, it's a, it's a burden that we shouldn't have to, should, we shouldn't have to weigh so heavily on our minds, but living in, in this area, we, we, we really have to. 
Okay, great. And just as we close out here, Rajiv, uh, tell us a little bit more about what's on tap for the Sierra Club and any any contact information you want to give for your organization. Sure. So um, uh, you can follow the Sierra Club on on social media on all our platforms, our, our Twitter accounts uh, at Mo Sierra Club. We're going to be working with um, uh, Catherine's colleague Beth Guzzler, one of their inju- environmental justice organizers, to continue to churn people out for the August 25th uh, hearing next week in front of the Missouri Air Conservation Commission. And then um, going into the new year, just really identifying, potentially uh, potentially identifying people around this region who can who have an interest in serving on the Missouri Air Conservation Commission. And then with Beyond Coal is, you know, Amron is, all, Amron is a forever target. We're going to continue to push for the quicker, more just transition between a coal f- a coal fleet of power to renewable uh, energy sources. So continuing to push our utilities to ramp up investment in clean energy in our state because we desperately, desperately need it. And clean energy provides so many, a whole host of benefits to our state, public health, economic, you know, climate mitigation, you know, so, you know, Sierra Club will, will always be in the business of of retiring, trying to retire coal in our state and transitioning our state to a clean energy economy. Okay, great. I want to thank our guests today, Catherine Lee, environmental justice intern with MCU, and Rajiv Ravilopati of the Beyond Coal uh, program with the Sierra Club. If you're ready to join us in the work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484 or shoot an email to office at mcustl.com to learn more about MCU go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prying, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. 